Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, September 6, 2022. Coming up this hour. Incoming UK Prime Minister Liz Truss is finalizing plans to lower energy bills for businesses and households. California's power grid faces a major test as a heat wave hits the state. And a legal victory for Donald Trump involving documents seized from his Florida home. There are dangerous levels of arsenic in the tap water at a Manhattan complex, plus Canadian police search for a suspect in the stabbing deaths of 10 people. I'm Michael Blanc. More ahead. I'm John Stanch, Aaron Sports. Another Aaron Judge home run and the Yankees win over the Twins. Raphael Nadal upset at the U.S. Open. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 24 points, Dow futures up 167, and NASDAQ futures up 101. The DAX in Germany is up four-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 17.30 seconds, yield 3.25 percent, and the yield on the two-year, 3.46 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.2 percent of a dollar four. At $87.92 a barrel. Bitcoin is at $20,000, up 1.4%. Nathan. Thanks, Karen. We begin this morning with a changing of the guard in the U.K. Outgoing Prime Minister Boris Johnson has delivered his final speech as his country's leader before he hands over the reins to his successor, Liz Truss. Let's go live to London, get the very latest from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. This is it, folks. The words of Boris Johnson outside Number 10 Downing Street as he made his final speech as the British Prime Minister, a job he was forced to quit after pressure from his own Conservative Party colleagues. He pledged full support for his successor. This is a tough time for families up and down the country. We can and we will get through it and we will come out stronger the other side. But I say to my fellow Conservatives, it's time for politics to be over, folks. It's time for us all to get behind Liz Truss. Well, the UK's new leader, Liz Truss, will formally become Prime Minister after meeting the Queen later today at her castle in Scotland. And a Bloomberg scoop on her first announcement, a massive package of support for household energy bills, which are expected to be three times higher than last winter. We understand the bill for the policy could come in at as much as $150 billion. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., a major development in the Justice Department's investigation into classified documents at Donald Trump's Florida home. A federal judge has granted the former president's request for a third party known as a special master to review the records. Former assistant U.S. attorney Jeff Robbins says this means a significant delay for the DOJ's investigation. By appointing a special master who can take weeks, months, 
uh, who knows how long, to review all 11,000 or so items that were seized and make determinations on attorney-client privilege and, and here's the surprise, executive privilege. This is going to stop uh, the Department of Justice in its tracks. Former federal prosecutor Jeff Robbins says the judge in the case was appointed by former President Trump in the final months of his administration. Well, Karen, a major test is coming today for the energy grid in the country's most populous state. Power demand in California has hit a five-year high with much of the state under an excessive heat warning. Now, as businesses and schools reopen, that demand could reach an all-time high. Alice Reynolds is president of the California Public Utilities Commission. We're entering the heart of this heat event, and it is expected to last longer and reach higher temperatures than previously anticipated. California Utilities President Dallas Reynolds says the state narrowly avoided rolling blackouts yesterday, but temperatures could hit 115 degrees in some parts of the state today. Well, turning to the economy now, Nathan, the Federal Reserve's Beige Book takes center stage on this week's economic agenda. We get more from Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice. The Fed's regional survey, the Beige Book, is set for Wednesday and will help illustrate inflation's impact on American businesses. We know already wage growth moderated in August. Evidence this year's Fed rate hikes could be tempering inflation. Another report to keep an eye on is today's ISM Service Industry Index. In July, it rose for the first time since March, recovering from a two-year low in June. Jobless claims data Thursday should signal a positive outlook. Vinny Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Wall Street returns from a holiday-shortened trading week, and traders will get back to their desks amid questions about the economic outlook and what it means for corporate earnings. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet has more. September is historically a rocky month for U.S. equity markets. Over the past 25 years, the S&P 500 index has seen average declines of seven-tenths of one percent. Concern that rising rates will hurt growth has been weighing on corporate earnings. Lisa Erickson is head of traditional investments at U.S. Bank Wealth Management. We do think it's going to be key to see how earnings evolve in the second half of the year. Our base case is that we are going to see continued slowing growth, not necessarily a full-on route. But again, there are risks to the earnings front. Among this week's earnings reports, the supermarket chain Kroger. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thank you. We have a deal to tell you about. CVS Health has reached an agreement to buy home health and technology services provider Signify Health. The price tag, about $8 billion. CVS emerged as the winning bidder over potential suitors that Bloomberg News previously reported had included United Health Group, Option Care Health, and Amazon. Shares of digital world acquisition, Karen, are down 18% in early trading. Reuters says the blank check acquisition firm that plans to merge with former President Trump's social media group has failed to secure enough shareholder support for a one-year extension to complete the deal. And shares of Bed Bath & Beyond also lower, down about 16%. This follows the apparent suicide of Chief Financial Officer Gustavo Arnal, who fell to his death from a New York City building on Friday. Arnal was one of several parties, including Bed Bath & Beyond, named in a civil class action securities fraud suit filed last month. And in Europe today, Karen Lufthansa says it's preparing an improved offer to pilots threatening to stage a two-day strike starting at midnight. Fresh strikes would add to the about 8,000 flights left. Tons is already canceled during the lucrative summer travel season. Well, Nathan, futures are higher with S&P futures up 19 points, Dow futures up 136, and NASDAQ futures up 83. The 10-year Treasury down 1632 seconds, yield 3.25%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. 
All right, thanks, Karen. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 73 degrees in Central Park. We have an accident investigation. It's got the southbound New York State Thruway shut down at exit 16. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York's MTA is taking precautions for flooding from heavy rain. The New York City Office of Emergency Management issued a travel advisory through today due to the weather. The MTA has been sending crews to clear drains and prepare equipment for any flooding. A federal monitor has told New York City to keep all documents related to its investigation into dangerous levels of arsenic in the tap water at one of the city's largest public housing complexes. Thousands of tenants at the Jacob Reese houses in Manhattan were forced to use water bottles and portable water stations after being told not to drink or cook with the water from their taps. Residents say the water is often cloudy with a metallic taste. Many residents believe NYCHA endangered them by not acknowledging the problem right away. NYCHA spokesperson Daniel Green says the community will be kept informed. Our residents um, deserve to know about the uh, hazards and the risks that they face that they're in their, in their, in their uh, apartments, and we want to make sure that they feel safe and at home like any, any resident in New York. NYCHA spokesperson Daniel Green. Canadian police are hunting for the remaining suspect in the stabbing deaths of 10 people in an indigenous community and nearby town in the province of Saskatchewan. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Yesterday's attacks in Saskatchewan are shocking and heartbreaking. My thoughts and the thoughts of all Canadians are with those who've lost loved ones. Prime Minister Trudeau. Authorities say Miles Sanderson is still on the loose. His brother Damien Sanderson was found dead near the stabbing sites. Authorities say the injuries were not self-inflicted. Officials in Europe are accusing Russia of weaponizing fuel after Russia cut off a major pipeline, saying it won't be turned back on until sanctions over its war in Ukraine are lifted. This comes as fighting threatens Europe's largest nuclear plant, which is in Ukraine. Meanwhile, President Volodymyr Zelensky indicates that he is not interested in negotiating with Russia, saying that he, quote, cannot discuss anything with terrorists. There shouldn't be any military personnel. There shouldn't be any military equipment on the territory. And there shouldn't be the workers of nuclear power plant who are surrounded by people with firearms. President Zelensky, through a translator, spoke with ABC. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashow. Good morning, Nathan. A wild holiday weekend at the U.S. Open, and it didn't end until about two and a half hours ago. 2.23 a.m. is when Carlos Alcaraz finished a five-set, nearly four-hour victory over Marin Cilic, which means there are eight men left and none have won a Grand Slam tournament. Only the third time that's happened in any slam since the open era began, 1968. The top two seeds lost in the span of less than 24 hours. First, who's defending champ, Daniil Medvedev, falling to Nick Kyrgios. And yesterday, Rafael Nadal, who had not lost a Grand Slam match to an American since 2005, upset by the 24-year-old from the D.C. area, Francis Tiafo. Definitely one of the performance I played. Played really well today. Um, yeah, I guess I, mean, I just came out there and I just believed I can do it. Um, it helps. I've played him a couple yeah. times. I haven't played him in some years, and um, I was different. I'm a different person now, a different player, and I went out there trying to get a dub. That's and that's what I did. 
Kyrgios and Coco Golf both play their quarterfinal matches tonight at the stadium. Couple of unlikely Yankee home runs. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, just his second of the season. Marwin Gonzalez, who hadn't had a hit of any kind in two months. And, oh, by the way, another Aaron Judge home run is 54th. Yankees beat the Twins 5-2. to two. Judges hit 23 more home runs than anyone else in the American League. Mets rained out in Pittsburgh. Played tonight that a split doubleheader tomorrow. Jets coach Rob Sala has left the door open for quarterback Zach Wilson to perhaps play. Sunday season opener against Baltimore. He'd be back earlier than expected from knee surgery. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. S&P futures right now up 16 points. Dow futures up 119. NASDAQ futures are higher by 72 points. The 10-year treasury is down 16.30 seconds. The yield 3.25%. Christina Hooper, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco, joins us next. Bloomberg 1130 weather. We got a flood watch in effect till five this afternoon with heavy rain at times today going up to near 75 degrees. Low 70s, mostly cloudy tomorrow, clearing a high near 80 on Thursday. Right now, 73. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks edging higher as investors assess responses by leaders to the region's growing energy crisis ahead of the European Central Bank's policy meeting later this week. U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, are on the rise. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 19 points. Dow futures up 129. And NASDAQ futures up 78. The DAX in Germany is up a quarter percent. Ten-year Treasury down 16.30 seconds. Yield 3.25 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.45%. NYMEX crude oil is up two-tenths percent, or 20 cents, at $87.08 a barrel. COMEX gold little change at 17.22.40 an ounce. The euro is at 0.9942 against the dollar. British pound 1.1564 and the yen 141.79. Look at a Bitcoin this morning of 1.2% at $19,970. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Kim. Karen, U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has left his Downing Street office for the last time as he heads to Scotland to formally offer his resignation to Queen Elizabeth II. The British leader meets with the Queen at her Balmoral estate to begin the transfer of power to Liz Truss. A federal judge has granted a request by former President Donald Trump's legal team to appoint a special master to review documents seized by the FBI during a search of his Florida home last month. At the U.S. Open, Rafael Nadal was knocked out by Francis Tiafo. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Twins 5-2. Aaron Judge hit his 54th home run. Mets game postponed. The Red Sox lost. The Nationals and Giants won. The Orioles lost both games of a doubleheader with the Blue Jays. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and here to help get us set for the holiday-shortened trading week is Christina Hooper, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. Good morning, Christina. Thanks so much for joining us as we watch futures rise uh, bit after three straight weeks of losses for uh, U.S. stocks. Where do you see the trajectory at this point? Well, I think 
the trajectory is going to be volatility. Now, we could see some volatility up, although I think there's going to be a tug downward uh, in the near term just because there's so much uncertainty and hesitancy, particularly in U.S. markets around the Fed's decision. Now, it's a few weeks away, but we're likely to get hawkish commentary from FOMC members between now and then, which I think should should um, place some downward pressure on stocks uh, in, in coming days. So it sounds like you're putting a lot of attention on the flood of Fed speak we're going to get this week before we get that CPI print next week? Yes, and I, I think we're going to hear an ongoing drumbeat of, of more hawkish rhetoric uh, just over the next several weeks. So what does that mean in terms of the decision? What is the Fed going to be looking at, uh, given the strong labor report we got last week, uh, expectations potentially for a peak in inflation? Is that what you're looking for from the CPI next week? Definitely, but also keep in mind that an important consideration for the Fed is inflation expectations. Um, we got a good final August print from University of Michigan, uh, five-year-ahead inflation expectations uh, continue to have a two-handle, which I think is very, very important. So I think they're going to be paying attention to expectations as well as what we're seeing in terms of the inflation data. What's the bigger concern for uh, corporates right now? Is it the risk of tighter Fed policy and inflation, or is it earnings? We just got a note out from uh, Mike Wilson over at uh, Morgan Stanley, a notable bear on stocks, uh, cutting his forecast for earnings growth even further next year. So I I think the immediate concern is, of course, the Fed, but yes, earnings are a a concern as well and are going to come into focus uh, as as we move into um, the next uh, earnings reporting period. This is um, for you know, this is the other shoe that everyone is waiting to drop. I mean, clearly we're going to see some some significant uh, downward revisions to earnings forecasts uh, for at least some stocks, and uh, and that is is a concern that is is weighing uh, on on investors' minds and certainly markets. Are there certain sectors or styles that are better insulated from uh, earnings erosion than others? Those companies uh, and and some industries have have proven to be better at this than others in in uh, recent uh, in recent months. Um, some industries are better able to defend margins, are better able to pass on costs uh, to consumers, and of course, some industries, uh, some sub segments of industries, are, are getting hit harder. Um, for example, if we look at the retail space, what we've seen is that it's been a sort of a tail of two consumers, uh, where higher-end consumers have not been as impacted um, by inflationary pressures as lower-income households, uh, and that has played out. Got about a minute left here, Christina. We got a change of the guard uh, in the UK. Liz Truss taking over for Boris Johnson with the country still under a cost-of-living crisis. What does the change in leadership mean for the investment landscape in the UK? Well, I think it presents some level of uncertainty, and we've seen that. Um, we've seen that in sterling, um, uh, which has, has 
move down relative to U.S. dollar. Um, but, you know, hopefully there is more clarity uh, as the trust government um, starts to, to share and Liz Trust starts to, to share her, her views and her policies. Um, but it has shifted a bit, and, and that has created some uncertainty uh, in recent weeks. So I, I would expect that greater clarity to, to hopefully put some upward pressure on Sterling. Thanks so much, Christina. Great having you on with us as always. Christina Hooper is the Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco with us this morning as we watch futures move higher. S&P futures right now up 20 points. That's a gain of a half percent. Dow futures up 147 points and NASDAQ futures are leading the gains right now up 86 points for a gain of seven tenths of one percent. The 10 year treasury right now down 1630 seconds. The yield 3.25 percent and the yield on the two year 3.45 percent. Just ahead, UK incoming Prime Minister Liz Truss's plans to address her country's energy crisis and a special master appointed for Mar-a-Lago. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. We got a flood watch till 5 this afternoon with heavy rain at times going up to near 75 degrees today. Low 70s, mostly cloudy tomorrow, clearing a high near 80 on Thursday. Right now, 73 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with a changing of the guard in the U.K. Outgoing Prime Minister Boris Johnson delivered his final speech before handing over to successor Liz Truss. Johnson leaves behind surging inflation, a potential recession, and an energy crisis. We have and will continue to have that economic strength to give people the cash they need to get through this energy crisis that has been caused by Putin's vicious war. And I know that Liz, Truss, and this compassionate conservative government will do everything we can to get people through this crisis. Prime Minister Boris Johnson spoke from 10 Downing Street today. Sources tell us Liz Truss has drafted a plan worth £130 billion to avert a massive spike in energy bills. Well, back here in the U.S., Karen, a federal judge has granted former President Trump's request for a third party known as a special master to review records seized by the FBI at his Mar-a-Lago home. Former Assistant U.S. Attorney Jeff Robbins says this means a significant delay for the DOJ's investigation. That special master, that individual, is going to have to take a very long time reviewing documents and essentially doing what the Department of Justice has already done, making its own report to the federal court. And then we may be in a Dickensian kind of a situation where litigation is spawned, which will keep this investigation on ice. Former federal prosecutor Jeff Robbins says the judge in the case was appointed by former President Trump. 
Well, to the economy now, Nathan, where we're watching a few economic readings this week, including the ISM Service Industry Index today, the Fed's Beige Book tomorrow, and jobless claims Thursday. There's also the promise of more corporate earnings, with Kroger reporting later this week. Now to a major acquisition, Karen. CVS Health has reached an agreement to buy home health and technology services provider Signify Help for approximately $8 billion. CVS emerged as the winning bidder over other suitors, including United Health Group and Amazon. And a major test is coming today for the energy grid in California. The state's under an excessive heat warning that's driving electricity use to its highest level in five years. The state narrowly avoided rolling blackouts yesterday, but power demand could reach an all-time high today with businesses and schools reopening. And futures this morning are higher. S&P futures up 23 points, Dow futures up 161, and NASDAQ futures are up 88. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines plus a check of sports and this is bloomberg thanks karen 533 on wall street 73 degrees in central park michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in new york and around the world michael thank you very much nathan a federal monitor has told new york city to keep all documents related to its investigation into dangerous levels of arsenic in the tap water at one of the city's largest public public housing complexes. Throughout the holiday weekend, thousands of tenants at the Jacob Reese Houses in Manhattan were told not to drink or cook with the water from their taps. NYCHA said that may be that those earlier tests are wrong because later tests don't seem to show the arsenic. However, the mayor's office is still advising residents not to drink or cook with water while it awaits more results. This resident says she is not taking any chances. I never trusted the water because for I was so itchy. And I'm like, what is it? What is it? I did trial and error, wore my products, and I'm like, it's the water. NYCHA says the community will be kept informed about the water. One of the suspects in the stabbing deaths of 10 people in the Canadian province of Saskatchewan has been found dead. Police say his injuries are not self-inflicted. Authorities continue to search for a second suspect. Regina Police Chief Evan Bray says 30-year-old Miles Sanderson is still considered to be armed and dangerous but possibly injured. With tragedy like this and, uh, and, you know, unknown whereabouts, there's a lot of anxiety in our province right now, in our communities and throughout the country. Chief Bray says Sanderson's brother, Damian Sanderson, was found dead near the stabbing sites. It is the first day of school for residents in Newark, New Jersey. It is also a new school year today in Uvalde, Texas. There's high fencing around the city's public school campuses that still isn't finished and a heavy police patrol that many families don't trust after officers in May allowed a gunman to shoot inside Robb Elementary School for more than 70 minutes. 19 children and two teachers were killed. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Another game, another Aaron Judge home run. This one came sixth inning at the stadium with a man aboard. It snapped a 2-2 tie. It's his 54th. He's on pace now to finish the season with 65. Since going nine games without a homer, Judge has hit one in eight of the last 13 games. 54 homers ties him with Alex Rodriguez. 
most by a Yankee right-handed hitter. Yankees beat the Twins 5-2. to two. They also got homers from two unlikely sources, Marwin Gonzalez and Isaiah Conner-Falefa. The Mets were rained out in Pittsburgh at the U.S. Open. Upsets, long matches. Nothing lasted longer than the fourth rounder between Carlos Alcaraz and Marin Cilic. The fourth set took over an hour. The match took nearly four hours. It ended at 2.23 this morning. Alcaraz prevailed in five sets. The third seed, he's the highest seed left. With the stunning departure of Rafael Nadal yesterday, upset by American Francis Tiafo. Nadal had not lost a Grand Slam match this year. He won the first two tournaments, and then he got injured at Wimbledon. Of the eight men left, none have won a Grand Slam tourney. That has not happened in any in only uh, two previous slams since the open era began in 1968. And the women down to the final eight. It does include the top seed, Iga Swiatek. She lost the first set, won the third, sixth love. Americans Coco Goff and Jess Pagula. Still active, but another American, Danielle Collins, lost last night. Goff plays her quarterfinal match tonight. NFL season kicks off Thursday. Sunday, the Jets host Baltimore. It was assumed they'd be quarterbacked by Joe Flacco, but Coach Rob Sella now says Zach Wilson may be able to return from his knee injury. A decision will be made tomorrow. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. Coming up to 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. In mid-August, Mayor Eric Adams announced that while abandoned dining sheds would be destroyed, outdoor dining in New York City is here to stay. But the time says what outdoor dining will look like is still up in the air. Some New Yorkers are suing, claiming the program has ruined their quality of life. A new multi-brand boutique is coming to New York City. Outline an airy boutique in the Borum Hill neighborhood of Brooklyn opens Thursday. Women's Wear Daily says it's being spearheaded by opening ceremony and Toto Kalo's former women's buyer, Margaret Austin, along with two childhood friends. New Milford will soon be feeling the luck of the Irish as the Greater Danbury Irish Festival returns September 10th and 11th. After a two-year hiatus, vendors will sell jewelry, art, food, and other items from the Emerald Isle at the festival's Irish Village. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk, and on KNX in Los Angeles, we're talking about the retirement of the longtime Sony PlayStation hardware architect. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that several major cities, including Chicago, are starting to see a reversal in the pandemic-era exodus of residents fleeing town. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on KYW in Philadelphia, I'll be reporting on more troubling news from a struggling retailer. I'm Caroline Hepp, on Bloomberg DAB, Digital Radio in London, We've been reporting on Boris Johnson's departure from Downing Street and Liz Truss's plans to tackle energy bills as she takes power. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting auto lending could be part of the Community Reinvestment Act. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. 
Apparently unhappy with the current pace of business migration out of their state, California's legislators have come up with a good way to accelerate it. They voted recently to create a council of political appointees to set wages in the fast food industry. The so-called Fast Recovery Act now awaits Governor Gavin Newsom's signature. He can't squash this ill-conceived initiative quickly enough. A statewide minimum wage for a subset of workers would arbitrarily fragment California's labor market, raise prices for consumers, and depress investment. Labor markets aren't perfect, and policymakers certainly need to address their flaws. But creating an unaccountable bureaucracy to set wages for a single industry isn't the right way to do it. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures moving higher by 23 points. Dow futures are up 170. NASDAQ futures leading the gains right now up 90 points. The 10-year Treasury is now down 17.30 seconds. The yield 3.25%. Yield on the two-year 3.46%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, rain, heavy at times, flood watch till 5 this afternoon with a high near 75 degrees, low 70s, mostly cloudy tomorrow, clearing with a high near 80 on Thursday. Right now, 73 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks on the rise this morning as investors assess responses by leaders to the region's growing energy crisis ahead of the European Central Bank's policy meeting later this week. U.S. stock index futures are on the rise. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 23 points. Dow futures up 173. NASDAQ futures up 87. The DAX in Germany is up eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 16.30 seconds. Yield 3.25 percent. The yield on the two year 3.45 percent nymex crude oil is up two tenths percent or 13 cents at 87 dollars one cent a barrel comex gold that'll change at 17.22 60 an ounce the euro is at 0.9953 against the dollar british pound 1.1595 the ends at 141.73 and looking at bitcoin this morning it's up one percent at nineteen thousand and nine hundred dollars that's a bloomberg business flash now here's michael barr with more on what's going on around the world michael Karen, thank you very much british Prime Minister Boris Johnson gave his departure speech outside 10 Downing Street this morning. Liz Truss takes over as the next Prime Minister. At the U.S. Open, Rafael Nadal was knocked out by Francis Tiafo. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Twins 5-2. Aaron Judge hit his 54th home run of the season. The Mets game was postponed. Rain. The Red Sox lost the Nationals and Giants won. The Orioles lost both games of a doubleheader. 
with the Blue Jays. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 548 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Former President Donald Trump has won his bid for a third-party review of record seized from his Mar-a-Lago home last month. For more on this and all the political news happening this morning, we welcome Joe Matthew, our Washington correspondent, host of Sound On here on Bloomberg Radio. Joe, good morning. The president got what he was looking for. What does this mean for the Justice Department's investigation to have a special master taking a look at the documents now? Well, it looks like it's going to slow things down uh, for starters, and that could be a strategy in itself here. Uh, and, and, you know, we're talking about Donald Trump, so that's not a huge shocker here. Um, the judge says the DOJ cannot continue reviewing documents for the case during this process, so that's going to come to a halt. Intelligence officials, however, Nathan, will be allowed to continue looking for any possible risk to national security. Those are two sort of separate processes here. Uh, and, and look, there is a redundancy in all of this. The special master, the reason why DOJ pushed back on it is that it already has a filter team, as it's called. We've talked about this used for the very same purpose that a special master would be appointed for. It's, it's, it's supposed to be neutral. That team is made up of people specifically not part of the prosecution team handling the case. So the idea here is that Donald Trump is likely trying to, you know, hit the brakes. The judge was appointed by Donald Trump and says her decision was partly justified by the DOJ's admission that some investigators had already seen some of the documents covered by attorney-client privilege. But remember, Nathan, that when those FBI agents went down to Mar-a-Lago, they brought the documents back to Washington. The teams dealing with them had to get extra security clearances so they would be allowed to read such highly classified information. The same will have to happen for the special master. Now, if the uh, National Security Review is going to be allowed to go forward here, irrespective of the Justice Department investigation, what does that potentially mean for the former president's uh, legal jeopardy here? Well, it's really hard to tell because, of course, we still don't know what they found. And this is likely going to be a long case. This is not something that they're about to announce charges on. And frankly, uh, they wouldn't, even if they were prepared to announce charges, being as close as we are to the midterms really kind of puts this thing at least publicly on ice. The DOJ could take months and even years uh, to to figure this case. So what they're looking at right now from a national security standpoint uh, is different than the case against Donald Trump. There could be specific elements of the government that need need to act on on whatever kind of document is there that may have posed a risk. But, of course, we don't know what that is, Nathan. There's so much of this that remains entirely speculative. And if we're looking at the possibility of this uh, investigation dragging on for months or even years, as you say, Joe, that raises the possibility that it could be running up against what we're expecting is going to be coming from former President Trump, another presidential run in 24. Yeah, look, I mean, next June, Nathan, is the first presidential debate. I hate to to drag you into this already. Less than a year? Yes. I mean, this (laughs) is coming quickly, so it is absolutely possible, if not likely, that this is going to not be so much of a midterm issue, but we'll bump up against the presidential election in 2024. DOJ will have time in between there. There's kind of an unspoken 60-day rule. That's why they're not likely to say anything between now and the midterms. But next year could be open season. And just imagine uh, document uh, drops, you know, breaking news coming from this case on the eve of a presidential debate. This could be wild. 
Well, in our less than a minute left here, Joe, what could this mean for a midterm election that's now just two months away, the specter of an investigation happening against a former president while the parties are trying to keep control of Congress? Well, it seems to be only helping Donald Trump with his base right now. Uh, and it may not rub off on Trump-endorsed candidates. It's very difficult to quantify that in a real way right now to sort of connect the dots when you have everything from inflation to to Roe v. Wade driving voters to the polls right now. I'm not sure that Mar-a-Lago is going to factor in. Uh, but again, we get through November and we're already going to be essentially in a presidential contest when this will be a very big deal. It's happening quickly. Joe Matthew, Washington correspondent, as always, thanks for joining us from Washington, D.C. Karen. All right, Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time for our Bloomberg Law Report. We get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Lawsuit filed in Seattle Federal Court accuses Amazon.com of violating consumers' privacy by keeping detailed records of their prime video rental history. A federal lawsuit accuses Edward Jones of discriminating against female home office financial advisors by paying them less than males who did the same jobs. A federal court in Pennsylvania ruled that a jury will hear a former Teva executive's age discrimination complaint. The plaintiff says he was fired and replaced by someone who was 27 years younger. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Hi, Jeff. Thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. William Hahn is part of the team at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, and he's part of a group representing Yeshiva University attempting to block a state court ruling, requiring it to recognize an LGBTQ student group. It's the latest clash between gay rights and the exercise of free religion to come up to the high court. He spoke with Bloomberg's Lydia Wheeler and Kimberly Robinson. The law that the trial court invoked is called the New York City Human Rights Law, but the law that the trial court decline to seriously consider is the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, because that's really what's at the core of this case, which is about who gets to decide who gets to direct the religious mission on Yeshiva's campus. How does Yeshiva, does Yeshiva get to make the decisions about how to form the next generation of students on its campus, or does the government get to make those decisions? The trial court decided that Yeshiva is insufficiently religious to make those decisions and therefore can be forced to violate its Torah values, approve a campus club that its senior rabbinical leadership determined it couldn't put its seal of approval on consistent with its Torah values. And this would open up the door to all kinds of crippling litigation against all aspects of yeshiva's religious mission, because not only does it account for religion when it's reviewing clubs, There are up to five hours of Torah study that's mandated by curriculum every single day. There's sex-segregated housing and schooling that's religiously driven. Elevators are rewired on Shabbat to prevent electronic usage. You could even have electronics publicly confiscated on campus if you're on the Sabbath using Mm -hmm. them. There's kosher requirements throughout campus. This is a deeply religious university, and no one in the case disputes that. But the trial court just decided that yeshiva isn't religious enough because it also trains people in secular degrees. Now, the current Supreme Court um, seems to be very protective of religious freedom, and in particular, the right of those to freely exercise their religion. Do you agree with that assessment? And if so, how does this petition from yeshiva fit into the court's religion docket here? 
Well, I think it's a commitment that goes beyond even, strictly speaking, religion cases. The Supreme Court decided in a case called Bostock, where it understood Title VII of the Civil Rights Act to cover uh, protection for sexual orientation and gender identity discrimination. There, a majority of the court said that the free exercise of religion lies at the heart of a pluralistic society. So this is a, a, wide, a widely acknowledged commitment across the court. Some of the decisions that I mentioned previously were 9-0 decisions or 7-2 decisions. Mm-hmm. This is, there is a br- widespread consensus that at the core of our best traditions is one of a religious accommodation and a respect for pluralism. And that means that Yeshiva University, a school that everyone understands to be deeply and pervasively religious, including the people that sued it, they admit to that, and they went there for that reason, um, gets to be a religious university in terms of how it forms and shapes its, its campus environment. And that was William Hahn with the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. Speaking at the Bloomberg's Lydia Wheeler and Kimberly Robinson. Get more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLawGo. And futures this morning are on the rise with S&P futures up almost 25 points, Dow futures are up 178 and NASDAQ futures up about 90 and the 10-year Treasury down 15.30 seconds, yield 3.24%. And our top stories straight ahead, this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.